Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with Tina Eskridge. Tina is a senior director of marketing who leads the marketing excellence function within Microsoft Advertising, where she maintains responsibility for all aspects of digital marketing, strategy and analytics, marketing technology, and inclusion with a deep focus on delivering best-in-class experiences. Prior to joining Microsoft in 2012, Tina spent more than 17 years in strategic roles across retail, financial services, software, consumer goods, and education industries. She's an active angel investor, board member, and continual champion for diversity. Welcome to the show, Tina. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Let's get started. Um, Tina, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? <laughs> sure. <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> oh, goodness. So, so my career journey is is pretty unique. I, um, I started off... Uh, I, so I, let me back up and say that I, ma I majored in supply chain and marketing in undergrad after thinking that I was going to be a music video producer. So <laughs> let's start with that. Uh, but I ended up in supply chain and marketing. I started my career kind of doing uh, both in the retail industry uh, with Nine West Group uh, in, in Stanford, Connecticut at the time when they were headquartered there. I was part of their first executive training program, uh, and I was super excited because I was do basically uh, inventory planning for main company department stores and also some of the ads and promotions um, that went along with that inventory. So that was a fun job. Uh, and then from there, I kind of tried my hand a little bit at third-party logistics, uh, you know, and decided that's not quite for me. And so <laughs> I did that uh, for a couple of years and found my way into uh, my first foray, if you will, into technology, which was a supply chain software company um, that was called Manugistics uh, back in the late 90s. And so I ended up working with them in a capacity as a, a supply chain consultant, um, helping uh, with a, a bunch of different consumer goods companies and helping them to uh, install supply chain software, uh, which was all the, all the rage back then because I think that was the first time in which people started to understand the, the real business impact and the return on investment from supply chain. Uh, and so I did that for about three and a half years uh, and then decided that I wanted to stretch myself a little bit further. And I took a, a product marketing role within the same company. Um, and I managed launch for a little while. And then from there, ended up managing their inventory planning uh, product line uh, for a short time. And, and then decided, you know what, time to go back for my MBA. And I did that full time. And then from there, after my MBA, I ended up uh, taking a role with a, a uh, 
an education startup uh, that was a spinoff of Sylvan Learning Systems, so Laureate Education, which is headquartered in Baltimore. Um, I think they now own a, a more than 75 universities around the world. And I worked there in the capacity as a uh, head of product marketing for their health and human services programs, um, leading like integrated marketing and you know all the, the wonderful things that go along with that. Uh, and then Microsoft came calling. So after uh, seven years in that space, uh, I got the opportunity to come to Microsoft. And I started my journey at Microsoft leading um, the IoT, Internet of Things, uh, partner and channel marketing function uh, within our what was then our OEM business. Uh, I did that for about four and a half years. Uh, and then I journeyed back into supply chain and I led our device uh, supply chain operations org for North and Latin America uh, for a time there, managing like big partners like Best Buy and Amazon, Target, Walmart, etc. cetera. Uh, and then uh, after that, I kind of came up for air. And, I, and while I was doing all of this, I was actually um, leading Microsoft's employee research group uh, for, for Blacks at Microsoft. So I did that for a short time. Uh, and once I stepped down, you know, the idea came from one of our executives to, you know, actually how do we apply that, how do we apply DNI to the business? Uh, and so I ended up taking a role leading what we call Cloud for Everyone, which is our inclusion marketing and product strategy for our, our cloud platform. So I did that for about 18 months and that led me to where I am today. So now I have transitioned over into the Microsoft Advertising um, organization and I, I currently lead what we call marketing excellence which is kind of a, a tie between my operations and marketing background um, leading you know all of the different core marketing functions like digital strategy automation analytics uh, as well as inclusion marketing and accessibility so I'm, I'm super excited about that Wow <laughs> that is quite a journey and I love that you stayed within marketing but you've got a flavor of so many different industries and organizations that gives you such rich experiences. So I love that. Um, and you know, you and I are both very passionate about DNI. So um, I love that there's a strategy for cloud for everyone, so you can have an inclusive uh, plan for even you know the cloud, which is kind of cool. Um, so in your current role as Senior Director of Marketing at Microsoft, can you share with us what a typical day looks like, if there is such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the question. I, I, I don't think that there is a typical day, um, you know, in, in any role, I, you know, for sure, in my capacity, but I think, you know, like if I think about a day, like, or I'll think about my week, I'll, I'll say, you know, um, week to week, um, I may be in what we call wallow sessions where we're, you know, kind of sitting around and, and, you know, bringing up ideas and, you know, throwing, throwing them against each other to kind of, you know, see if does this work or would, would this work or, you know, how do we think about that? And those are always probably the most fun uh, parts of my, my day or my week. Um, and then, you know, I'm in obviously a lot of meetings around analytics and, you know, kind of understanding, you know, what, how are we performing, you know, what metrics are we, we um, you know, tracking to and, you know, how can we improve upon them, you know, things like that. 
Um, I spend a lot of time in one-on-ones with my team, um, you know, helping them to manage work life. And there's this other element that I should mention about my days, um, Jennifer, that I think is pretty unique in this current time and circumstance, which is check-ins. Um, you know, one of the things that I am grateful for, you know, working for a company like Microsoft and working in tech is that, you know, we've been able to, to pivot, um, you know, quite a bit during this pandemic. And, you know, with that comes a lot of new demands, like nothing looks the same as it did, you know, pre-February of 2020. Um, and there's a lot of, of, I would say, you know, grace for that uh, within our workplace. And so we do a lot of check-ins um, and those check-ins are, are quite fun. You know, we, we get on teams and, you know, it, we don't have to have a topic at all. Like some days we're just kind of, you know, you know, just making sure everybody's okay, right? And I, I think not enough of that is done. And I hope that's something that carries over even post-pandemic as part of our, our day-to-day routine, because I, I think it, it makes a big difference, um, you know, to be seen, to be heard, to be acknowledged, to know that, you know, for the employee who has children at home and they're trying to maintain, you know, their work schedule as well as, you know, homeschool, like that's, that's really hard, you know, like that's, that's, that is above and beyond um, what anybody can ask of them. So just making sure that they're okay um, is a, a big part of our day and it's, uh, probably the best part of my week. I love check-ins. Are they um, scheduled or are they just like pop-in type things? They're scheduled. We make mm-hmm. sure our check-ins are scheduled. We have um, we have a, a, a team check-in that we, of course, I start off my um my team meetings with one as well. So it's not just diving into the work and saying, okay, did you deliver on X, Y, and Z, but how are you today? <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on in your world? What's going on in your life? Maybe you got a new puppy and, you know, the puppy's not behaving. I don't care, but I want to know, you know, anything and everything about about you because, you know, we have to be able to bring our whole selves uh, to work. I love that. That is so important today especially in the times that we are in. I was just talking to my neighbor yesterday, and we were talking about how people just are in a different frame of mind because they're not around people. They're not able to hug or, you know, even be close enough to other people. So there's so much that they're afraid of that we need to give them more attention and really have frequent communications with each other because, um, you know, suicide rates are very high right now. And it's just, it's really affecting mentally um, the world. So really to start to do things like this is so smart. And, and that compassion and that empathy really shows and we all need it. You know, you you might be doing the check-in, but, you know, they're also checking in on you. Every Everybody needs that. So I love love that concept, and I might steal the idea <laughs> for my Please team. Do. Please do. <laughs> yes, I love that. Um, so, you know, marketing has changed dramatically in the last couple of years, and, um you know, marketing is definitely digital now, and, and you really have to think about it differently than we used to with, you know, brochures and things that we used to send out. Now everything is digital. Stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. 
Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. While there, be sure to check out Directions Training's newest initiative, the WIT Cloud Power Scholarship for Azure Fundamentals Certification. This year, we have offered 100 scholarships to women for the Microsoft Azure Fundamentals Training Course, valued at $950 per student as an opportunity to start their pathway to becoming a Microsoft Certified Professional. Help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. We now rejoin our host, Jennifer Didier, with today's guest. Um, how do you ensure that you're providing an inclusive experience that is best in class? And I know excellence is very important to you. How do you market inclusively? That's a great question. So in this journey, you know, one of the things that I learned um, as I was you know, on the, the path of doing cloud for everyone and, and even now in my current role is you have to design for the 3%, right? There's 3% of, of the people in the population that are, you know, unable to, you know, consume and or uh, utilize, uh, you know, products, uh, marketing, whatever it is uh, in the way that the other 97% can. And so, by and large, if you are solving for the 3%, then you're solving for the 97, uh -huh. right? And so I think that's really important. Uh, you know, from a marketing perspective, you know, we often, you know, we talk about inclusion. Um, and I think that a lot of people start to conflate inclusion with, with um, accessibility. Um, and I think that they're two different things, right? I think accessibility for me means that, you know, is the is the marketing accessible? Is the product accessible? Does it look and feel like something that belongs to me? Um, that's the that's the table stakes, right? Like that's the bare minimum. And then going beyond that is what makes it best in class, right? It's like there's one thing to have, you know, marketing or a product that is available to you, but that doesn't make you a automatic repeat customer. Right? It doesn't mean that, you know, just because you can now access the product in a way that the 97% can, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you become a fan, right? And so best-in-class marketing, you know, kind of demands that we think about, you know, not only what opens the door, but also what makes them come back over and over and over again. I love that you are always thinking over to go over and beyond and that really creates that best in class because um, that brings you to excellence and I have a silly little example years years ago when I started uh, my training center um, I would teach our receptionists to uh, obviously ask our customers if they wanted a cup of coffee or if they would like to hang up their coat, but instead of asking them and showing them where the coat closet was or actually uh, showing them where the coffee machine was, to actually 
make them a cup of coffee, take their coat and hang it up, you know. Um, so those little things just made people feel so much more comfortable with the environment the first time they were walking in. And it, it created such a great atmosphere for our students. And I, I still remember that when you were talking about going above and beyond, um, that story came to mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's a and that's a great great example. I mean, you know, I think oftentimes, you know, like I said, I think that people think that you know, if I if I just do the bare minimum, that's enough. And you know, you mentioned digital experiences, particularly with digital experiences. You know, we think that access is enough, but that access point is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right? There's just so much more that could be gained. I love that. Um, so I know you're passionate about diversity in STEM, and so am I, because I really believe that that's where we start our pipeline to get more uh, diversity in technology, to get more women in technology. Um, can you share with us some of the work you're doing in, in that area? Sure, yeah, I, I do, um, you know, quite a few things. Uh, prim primarily, I sit on two two boards that are near and dear to my heart. One is uh, Washington Mesa, which is mm -hmm. an organization that promotes STEM uh, for the, the K-12 uh, bracket and, it, you know, helps underrepresented minorities particularly, you know, get exposure to STEM and understand what that is and how they can pursue it and be successful in it. Uh, and then the College Success Foundation is another uh, organization where I sit on the board for their, their D.C. Um, entity and uh, you know again it's another STEM encouraged organization for underrepresented minorities but the, the difference with College Success Foundation is that they kind of foster a relationship not only with the student but also with the parent because um, many of these students uh, in these communities are first-time college graduates, uh, first-time college attendees uh, and their parents may not have gone to college at all so they give the support and you know structure for the parents to understand that process as well. So they kind of, you know, give a lot of, um, you know, backing uh, to make sure that the student is successful, the parent is successful in the journey. And they also carry that success metric over into career. So they don't just stop at the graduation point, but they make sure that these students land in successful STEM careers. And I so, love that. Yeah. I love that. Now, you know, I'm in the learning business and do skilling for um, companies, individuals, the government, you know, lots of different entities. So if ever you think of ways that we can provide some skills for uh, these organizations, obviously, you know, on a volunteer or complimentary basis, I would love to be involved in trying to help their journey on skills and certification or, you know, whatever that might look like. Oh, absolutely. I will be calling you all the time. Okay, great, <laughs> great. Well, I was just thinking of that when you said it. I thought, oh, I should definitely, you know, see what we can do to help in that area. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Jennifer. We appreciate that. Sure. Um, so let's talk about being authentic. Um, you know, I love Brene Brown, and um, she always talks about being authentic and being vulnerable. What does that mean to you? And how do you show up to inspire other leaders on your team to be authentic? That's a great question. It's funny, I, you know, often get these uh, quotes in my emails 
you know, when I'm starting my day and uh, from different sources, various sources around the internet. But I, I got this quote this morning um, that said, there was a reminder essentially that said, I am a singular manifestation of a cosmic unfolding. Mm. And so I sat there and I thought about that. And my reaction was the same as yours. I was like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, wow. Isn't that powerful? I'm yes. A manifestation of a cosmic unfolding, and you know, when I read that, I thought, "Wow, like that is that is the true, the truest sense of authenticity, right? To understand that, you know, each one of us, each and every one of us, has a gift, right? Each and every one of us is incomparable. Um, you know, there's no one else on this this planet that is exactly like me or you, right? And so, you know, when we think of it that way, then how can we not have something to contribute that is so unique and different, um, you know, as human beings, right? Like we, we each have that gift and that contribution and, um, you know, that authenticity, uh, you know, is, is there, whether we like it or not, right? It's, it's, it's there. So that's what it means to me. It's really, you know, that uniqueness. And then, you know, how do I cultivate that? You know, each and every day I try to figure out like, okay, what is it that I can, do more of um, that only I can do, you know, within my team, right, or within the company, right? Like I've, I've often chosen roles even based on that, right? Cloud for Everyone was an example of that. It was something that I felt like, okay, this is something that I'm uniquely positioned to do. Am I the only person that can do it? Absolutely not. I'm sure there's other people that could probably do it better, but, um, but there was something about that specific role and that journey that I felt like was destined for me and as is the same with this current one, um, you know, leading marketing network. So I think that, you know, we each have these unique footprints um, and this unique contribution, whether we realize it or not. And I try to pride myself on, on seeking that out. That's, that's so powerful. That um, quote, it gave me goosebumps. I have to tell you, uh, because it really talks about, there's only one you, you know, and sometimes we forget that we think, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I want to kind of blend in or I just, you know, as women, sometimes we don't bring out the confidence that we should in being authentic. And every time you're authentic, you get great results because it's you and there's only one you. So great, great, great quote, great examples. Um, so I know you're very, very passionate about uh, bringing passion to purpose. And uh, yesterday we had a sales retreat with my team and we were talking about just, you know, different people that have so much drive and they do so much and uh, just really acknowledging them. And everybody says, you know, we don't know how they do it. And I, all I could think about is it's passion that drives them. They're passionate about what they do, and then it's not work. Then you don't have to think about it. And um, so when I think about bringing passion to purpose, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Jennifer. I think that, you know, the, the more, kind of in like the last example, the more that you can identify your uniqueness, 
uh, your unique gift and, and what you can contribute, the more you focus in that way and in that, that area. And it takes some time, right? Because I don't think we all start off on this journey thinking, oh, I know this is this is what I'm passionate about. You know, uh-huh. I, I mentioned how I, I thought I was going to be in music video producing, <laughs> right, right? Like, far cry, right? 25 <laughs> I'm a far cry from that. Um, but, you know, I think that the more you focus on what you're passionate about, the more your purpose comes to light, right? Like it, it just kind of becomes seamless and it unfolds in every aspect of your life, not just as work. Um, and, and you're right, the work doesn't become work anymore, right? Uh-huh. If I'm focused on, you know, making the world a better place, that's one of the things I love about our, our company mission statement, right? Empowering every person, every organization uh-huh. on the planet to achieve more, right? If I am aligned with that, if my, you know, my core values align with that, that mission statement, which they do, um, then it doesn't feel like work, right? Like whatever I'm doing to empower another person or to be more inclusive, you know, in the work that I do, then by all means, then, you know, I've, I'm setting this, this motion and for it's almost like a, a spark, you know, and it continues to grow into, you know, this, this big flame uh, of momentum. Yeah, uh, and here you are really uh, demonstrating that you believe in that core value because you're on this podcast, and this podcast is to empower women to do more, to achieve more, to have more confidence, and, you know, we are doing everything we can to lift them up. So you're actually practicing your core values by being on this podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, you know, so I know a lot of women are are listening and they're always wondering, you know, what challenges did you have in your career as a woman in tech and what did you do to overcome them? Does like one or two stories come to mind that we could all learn from? Sure. Yeah. I think as a woman in tech, it's so interesting. Um, You know, you, you go down this path and you know, you're, you're working amongst some of the smartest people in the world, and, you know, it can be really, really intimidating. So I don't think there's anybody, any female in tech, any woman in tech um, that has not encountered imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think when I first got to Microsoft um, early on in my, my career journey here, I thought, you know, I wasn't sure that I belonged. Here I am. One, I'm coming from the education space, um, had no idea what IoT or, or Windows Embedded was, which was what it was before it was, it was termed IoT, right? I had no idea what that was. Like, I, I, I didn't know. But, you know, I was fortunate enough to work around leaders who continued to tell me, like, you know, you can learn that. Like, that's not, that's not why we hired you. Like, we hired you for, you know, because you're, you know, an exceptional marketer and you can, you know, see these things and you can put these things together. And so um, that ended up being true. But, you know, initially it was, it was a hard sell and it was a, it was a a journey for me the first year or so trying to figure out like, did I make the right decision? You know, I'm in the right place. And, you know, of course it was a a male dominated, um, you know, field. And and so I didn't see there weren't many women. Unfortunately, I started, you know, I started off in my journey reporting to, another African-American female, which was awesome. Um, 
but I, I only reported to her for a short time. And, you know, of course, as things go, got shifted in the org to another manager and so on and so forth. And, you know, things changed. And, you know, it was it was definitely a journey. The other thing that I'd say I've learned um, along the way about, you know, being a woman in tech is, is that whole piece, that authenticity piece that we talked about. I think so often, and particularly in tech, what I've seen is that many women feel like they have to model male behaviors in order to be successful. And by male behaviors, I mean uh, being uh, overly aggressive, um, you know, super competitive, et cetera, et cetera, things that are that are often rewarded in our male counterparts that aren't necessarily rewarded in, in uh, female counterparts. And so I've seen that play out many times, um, you know, in my journey. And, you know, I've learned that, that that's not something that I want to subscribe to. And it's not, that's not who I am. And so trying to be authentic and still get the same outcomes and results has been, you know, kind of what I've been stri striving for for the last, you know, eight to 10 years, right? It's, it's been really, really important to me, um, especially as a people leader, you know, to make sure that I am setting the right example, right? And, and not to say that those examples are wrong, you know, everybody has a different way, but for me, I know personally that is not who I am authentically, and so it doesn't work, uh, and I, I want to stay true to that. So Tina, you, you're so right about being authentic and really being true to yourself, but in the beginning of your journey as you came into IoT and not really knowing the technology side of it, but really being that expert in marketing, uh, you had to build your own confidence and go through that journey to really tell yourself that, yes, I can do this, I can, you know, this is something that I could learn and where my skill set lies, I'm very good at that. So building that confidence is really a good lesson for all of us because confidence is, is one of the areas that women, you know, are really, I don't want to say lacking, but um, we really have a hard time with because we want everything to be perfect before we can say yes. And, um, and our male counterparts, you know, if they're 60% qualified, they say yes. No, I have to prove myself, I can't do this. So it's a whole different mindset. But being yourself and not being somebody that, you know, like acting like a male is how you said it, was really right on because you can be in a male-dominated industry and still be a woman because we have so many uh, qualities and characteristics that are great for business with collaboration, with empathy, with um, detail-oriented. Things that we can bring to the table are so valuable, but sometimes we don't see that. We're always looking at our flaws. So building your confidence is really critical, and I, I admire you for doing that. Now, um, in closing, what advice would you give to a woman who's considering a career in the tech industry? Because it might be scary for some women to think, oh, I don't want to code or, you know, tech is not for me. What would you say to her? That's a great question. Um, so my advice to any woman considering a career in the tech industry is to go for it, right? I think, um, I think oftentimes people think that tech is this, uh, it's, it's kind of an anomaly or it's, it's something that is so foreign or so different, um, but you know, 
consumer goods. Like I've, I've been all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I, I, I love working in tech and I don't think that, I think every skill that I've learned in every single one of those industries is transferable to tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a coder, right? Like I, I'm one of those examples of individuals that, you know, there's, there's no shortage of work um, to be done in tech that has nothing to do with coding. So if you don't, view yourself as somebody that's highly technical, that's okay. There's a place for you in tech. There's always something that can be done. There's always a skill that's transferable uh, from another non-tech industry into the tech space. And so I encourage every woman to apply for any job they see and, you know, take a chance on the self. Great advice. Yeah. Jump in with both feet, just do it. uh, And you'll see that you know, it's an industry that has so many choices and gives you a lot of freedom, both financially and with where you work from and how you work. So I love, love, love this industry. Um, so what is the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you if they wanted to? Oh, the best way to get a hold of me is probably via LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So if any, anybody's on LinkedIn, they can look me up under Tina Eskridge. That's Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.